0: If you have your Bible, would you open to Ephesians in chapter 4? Ephesians chapter 4. For the past two Sundays, we have been kind of examining the growth that we've been experiencing and our plans to expand this campus, the fundraising that our church family has done, and kind of where we're at in the building progress and giving some updates. But I didn't want that to just be two weeks of updates about Christ Church. We wanted to get into the scriptures. We wanted to connect to truth that is going to be life-giving for everybody. Can I get Amen. So we did that through Ephesians chapter 4, kind of hovered around verses 1 to 7 in week 1, and then we went back to verse 7 in week 2. And This morning I want to go to Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. Um, partly, I had a plan for this morning, but I, I really felt stirred by the Holy Spirit. Last week I was leaving church, and I just had that feeling like there was just meat left on the bone in Ephesians chapter 4. And I didn't get it all out, and I had things that I felt like the Spirit wanted me to say, and I didn't have the time to say them. And so taking the time to say it this morning. You guys, you, you got any chicken wing people in the house that just eat it all the way down? You just go full pencil sharpener on the end of that thing. <laughs> anyway, that's where we're at. We got some meat left on the bone. I want to get into it with you guys this morning. And uh, it's going to be Ephesians chapter 4, 15 and 16. And typically I pray uh, after I read the text. And this morning I just want to pray first. I want to pray that God would, would work on our hearts. Because what I'm going to share this morning is not probably new to a lot of you and but it may be really provoking but it's where it lands in your heart that matters you know that jesus talked about this in the gospels with the parable of the soils he talked about the the seed being sown which was the word and the the soils these four different types of soils being the hearts of people the conditions of people's hearts now some of you are here and you're in church and that's awesome but you've been through it and your your heart is trampled like a hard path and it is hard to break that surface and the seed of the word lands and it just lands on a hard place and there needs to be some tilling there. Some 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 of us were present and there's some good soil but there's some rocks, there's just some some age-old things we're holding on to and there's some places that will that will keep that from taking root and being healthy. Some of us are some of us are under the attack of the enemy and we are trying our hardest but when that seed goes in we were Before we can even receive it, the birds come down and snatch that right up and the enemy is going to get you distracted and sleepy and preoccupied and just want to just take it away. And many people, I am convinced, have come in with hearts that have the cares of this world that Jesus describes as thorns and thistles that will choke out the life that God wants to bring. And now, and we just want to ask God, who is not only our good shepherd, but he's our good farmer, to till up that hard soil, to remove those rocks, to shoo away those birds, and to pull those weeds so that we can have tender hearts to receive God's word and for it to have its maximum impact in our lives so it bears fruit 30, 60, 100-fold. And so I said a lot to say I want to pray first. <laughs> but uh, let's ask God to do it for us. Amen. God, I thank you that you are the God who speaks. You, you, are, you do not remain silent. God, you have spoken to humanity for ages, through the covenants, through your people, through the prophets. God, you have spoken in this last age by your son, the, the fullest expression of your own heart in human form. God, in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, our Messiah, you have Put on display your love and your faithfulness, God, and your sacrificial love for us, that you would make a way to save us when there was no way for us to save ourselves. God, you have been victorious over our enemy, the devil. God, you have given us everything by your spirit to be victorious in life, and you are inviting us every single day, every moment of the day, and every every rhythm of of Sunday when we can come into your presence to encounter you in a life-transforming way. And God, I just pray for myself and for every person in my hearing, Lord, that we would have soft hearts to receive your word. God, I pray for those who, are, who have just really suffered and maybe have suffered at the hands of religious people or churches and just have found a hard spot in their hearts. God, I pray that you would soften the soil of their heart to receive your word this morning. God, I pray against uh, the enemy's tactics to try to snatch away what is good and harass people. God, I pray that enemy would have no place here. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would put up a divine scarecrow so that our our hearts may be free to receive what you want to give us. God, I pray for those things that are in each of our hearts. Lord, the things that we hold on to. Lord, those things we run to. Those things that seem too hard to get rid of. That make it hard for your word to bear fruit in our lives. God, I pray that you would remove those stony places. God, we need you to do a miracle there. And Lord, for so many who are just plagued by anxiety and worry and stress, God, I pray that you would just clear away the weeds and the thorns, and that you would allow us to have a moment when we can hear clearly from you and have hearts of faith to receive your word to us, God. Transform us, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Here's what it says. builds itself up in love. These two verses communicate a very simple reality that by faith we've come into a life-giving union with Jesus, the Son of God. By faith in Him, we have become as much a part of Him as our body is to our head. That we are fully connected and that He is the source of life, leadership, and direction. Likewise, we have been joined, one with another, as a part of the body of Christ, and inasmuch as we are all connected to Christ as our head, we are now connected to one another and meant to function in life-giving ways with each other to grow to mature manhood so that we can fulfill the purposes of God, namely to reach every person created in the image of God but disconnected from his life-giving spirit. And that is why the end has not come, and that is why we are here, and we will do that successfully to the extent that we experience a vital union with Jesus and that we share in that vital union one with another. That will create a strong and healthy church. I could stop preaching and we could go home because that's the point. However, I have found that there is significant complication when it comes to walking in this over a prolonged period of time. I feel compelled, as I did last week, to hone in on this phrase, speaking the truth in love. But before we get to that, you'll notice there's a rather which alludes to something previously spoken and says that there is something converse about this to that. And that is part of Paul's logic that we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. That is he's a prisoner of the Lord and he's urging people to walk according to the calling that they've received. And he reminds us that we are all part of the one thing God is doing, Ephesians 4, 4 and 6. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And So we are all in this one thing together. Can I get an amen? But grace was given to each one of us. And so we have... Yes, we're all in this together, but we are all individually gifted and called and therefore a gift from God to one another. And we have to walk in our particular callings because each was given a gift according to the measure of Christ's gift. So he decided who you were going to be and what your function was going to be. Then he talks about the giving of leaders, and they're all speaking leaders, in verse 11. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. These are the people who lead the church through speech to move them on to God's agenda. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the, here it is, building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And so this is for us, but it's also for those who have not yet attained the unity of the faith. Who have not yet understood faith the knowledge of the Son of God. So we are a growing church with new believers, but we are also growing into Christ to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we are not there yet, but that is where we are going. The longer you walk with Jesus, the more your life should look like Jesus. Do you see these connections? In verse 14 we get, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes rather speaking the truth in love and the passage continues now think about this there is a picture here of mature manhood strength and capacity and it is contrasted against a child ness so i have we have four children we i i, I love this this phrase here uh, tossed to and fro by every wave this past week we've had just some incredible surf we've had these hurricanes out in the Atlantic and they're just staying out there hanging out and they're not doing us any damage, but they're creating incredible 12 and 15 second interval ground swell. And every morning for like six mornings in a row, I was on my surfboard at the pier waiting for the sun to come up in the darkness, holding my fingers out of the water while the tarpon were tearing up the bait fish and just waiting for those waves to come in. And one night after work, we're able to take the whole family down to the beach and the waves were still big. The wind was on shore, it was a little ugly. And I grabbed my surfboard Daughters start grabbing their boards, and they're going to go out. And I had to say, no, 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 no. Not safe for you. Watch, daddy. (laughs) And so this is the picture. You don't want to be children. Now, we come into Christ as children. You guys realize this. Like, that's a virtue to have the faith of a child To in weakness and simplicity say, I trust you, Father, and you begin your journey. And so there's nothing wrong with starting as a child. It's just wrong if we stay like a child. In fact, through this union with Jesus, through our relationship with him, we ought to be getting strengthened. And we ought to be growing in his knowledge and in our faith. And we ought to be growing up so that we are not caught off guard. And like a child caught in waves or in wind, we are not susceptible to the winds of doctrine. That is false teaching that is religious, that wants to lead us astray, or by human cunning, this is people who just want to manipulate groups of people to think in a certain way that is not true, or by craftiness and deceitful schemes, and in the original language, that intimates the activity of the enemy. And so Paul is saying, you've got to grow up, because if you're children, what's going to happen is you are going to be susceptible to being led astray. Led astray religiously, led astray socially, and led astray spiritually. And when that happens, you will not fulfill the purposes of God. And so rather than that... You need to all be speaking the truth in love and so growing up in every way into Him who is head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, and this is the mandate on us, and the effect is it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, if you have been a Christian for any length of time, you've likely heard some sermons from Ephesians 4 and verse 15 with a particular amount of emphasis placed on this phrase, speaking the truth in love. Quick survey, who has heard a sermon on speak the truth in love? Raise your hand. Okay, number of you have. Now, if you have, and depending on the level of veracity in the church environment where you heard that, an emphasis on sanctification and personal growth and development, you may have a conception of speaking the truth in love that sounds like, saying harsh things to Christian people in a nice way. <laughs> Seems like that's resounding with some of you. Some of you are like, I wasn't taught this, but I know a guy. <laughs> and I know what you're talking about. Speaking the truth in love is not saying nasty things in a nice sounding way. Do you realize this? And s- If that is your operating definition, it's time to change your mind. <laughs> okay speak the truth in love. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about what this means, the truth and in love. I want us to to sit in there for a second. But while there are many people who grew up in that religious environment and who have some concepts about what that is, in our culture, it's more likely that you have said, I will say nothing to no one and we'll all just pretend and get along. And there's many people who take that disposition. Now, Something has happened in our technological age where now we are connected through social media and through cell phones. It's like, it's like the same dynamic as in traffic. You know, you would be in the grocery store and somebody would cut in front of you with a cart, and you would say, oh, no, please, you go first. But then if they're in a car and you're in a car, there's just enough separation between you and them personally that you yell obscenities and show them your favorite finger. <laughs> right? What happened there? Same person, same situation, slightly less personal. And our, our phones have made this worse. And so some of us who used to not say anything to anybody and not start any trouble, now instead of speaking the truth in love, oh well now now we are now we are well maybe texting the facts in anger, posting a perspective in haste. I don't know what's happening out there, but it's causing a lot of a lot of problems, especially for the church. So we need to really understand what it means to speak the truth in love. And not and not just be unwilling to do so maybe you've tried it's not gone well and so you've kind of settled in on don't speak move on and just pretend and so you just walk into church and it's all praise the lord and hallelujah and you don't talk about the fight you have with your spouse in the car because that's off limits and so we can just end in this kind of fakery or this over aggressive version that is nasty things in a nice way or maybe this disconnected relationally that ultimately just causes more conflict. Well, I want us to really tap into what this means because this little phrase describes for us an activity. The Apostle Paul, who is receiving divine revelation, is instructing the church is both effective in helping us to grow up into him, which is what we're all needing to do, and the result is that we will grow with each other into maturity that will protect us personally and help us to fulfill the mission of Jesus. Now, let's talk about what this actually looks like. All of us have had a thought around another person and you've thought a critical thought about that person. Maybe you've been with somebody, and you've thought, uh, you talk too much, and you don't ask enough questions. The way that you talk excessively makes other people not want to be around you, including me. And that's a thought you had. But it doesn't come out in words. It just looks like this on your face. <laughs> not hanging out with that person ever again. Now, maybe you're one of those people who learn to speak the truth, whatever that means, in love, whatever that means, and so you attempt to adjust or correct that person. Where you might say, do you realize how much of the talking you do in social circles? People will enjoy your company more if you say less and ask more questions. Now, I'm not making these up. These are things I've heard, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> this, is, this is from my personal experience. We could bring you up here, and we could do you if you want. I don't know what your things are. These are just the things, the faces that I've seen and the words that I've received and the kind of little Christian smackdowns that I've gotten from time to time. Now, it may be true, maybe a fact, but there is a big difference between the facts and the truth. I don't know if you know this or not. Facts are facts, and your perspective and your experiences can be communicated as facts, but we're meant to be speaking the truth, And this brings us to the first vital union that we see in this section, and that is each individual Christian's vital union with Christ. And here he is pictured as the head, and we are the body. There is no more vital union. I don't know if you know this or not. I've been studying this a little bit recently about the function of the pituitary gland. I'm sure there's some medical professionals here. You guys know more about this than I do. You can tell me the things I'm wrong about after the sermon's over. But inside of your brain, in a chamber, uh, underneath of your brain, Called the thalamus, which is a Greek word that means interchanger, in, inner chamber. It's pretty much directly behind the bridge of your nose. If you're to point at your own self, go straight back a couple inches, and there's this chamber called the Thalamus. Underneath of that thalamus is um, aptly named part of your body the hypothalamus, which means under the thalamus for whoever was naming organs that day. And descending from the hypothalamus is a small two-lobed gland called the pituitary. Now, that pituitary gland is responsible for sending signals through the bloodstream of the body, and there's nine distinct hormones that get dropped by the pituitary gland into the bloodstream that ultimately bring about maturation and growth inside of the human body so if someone has a dysfunctioning pituitary gland then there is going to be a growth problem too big too small too developed too underdeveloped and so the pituitary gland does this amazing thing as part of the body now it blows my mind because the apostle paul has been using body terminology all through ephesians 4 and then if you get to 1 corinthians 12 13 and 14 he does it again and he says we are like the body of christ he's our head and we are the body parts and he is communicating a life-giving spirit and giving us direction and we are growing up into him so that our our maturity matches his maturity so that the, the the presence of jesus is on the earth in an effective way not blown around like a child not too small but strong and capable and the apostle paul would have had no way of understanding how the pituitary gland works but the more we understand the body the more we see that this principle holds true Now, it'll blow your mind to find out that the hypothalamus actually sends signals to the pituitary. And the hypothalamus tells the pituitary what to send out into the blood. And I think, man, if I was designing the human body, I would have eliminated this redundancy. (laughs) Like, what do we need hypothalamus to send signals to the pituitary to send signals? Why couldn't the hypothalamus have just sent the signals? and yet that's the same way we see that God's got this thing set up in the church. Jesus, our head, is meant to be sending signals to each one of us, and then we, based on our experience with other people, ought to be interacting with other people with our words in a life-giving way and in this atmosphere of love. Now, why couldn't Jesus just tell everybody what they needed to hear themselves? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be great if everybody just went and had their quiet time with the Lord and he just said everything they needed to hear? But that's not the way he set it up. He's like, you tell them. You tell him he talks too much. I'm not telling him that. I'm not saying that to him. (laughs) But the result is, if we're doing this right, every one of us is growing up into the head, which is Christ. And then we are also feeding and fueling one another and growing into mature manhood. Now, i got to be honest with you. And I'm not a big church critic. I know there's a lot of... Instagram people and a lot of podcast people. There's a lot of people who just love doing nothing more than criticizing the church, how bad it is, how much it's dying, how ineffective it is. But the church is not doing a great job. When I think about the effectiveness of the church with Christ as our head and how mature our body is, the image that comes to mind is this. This is the image that I get in my mind. <laughs> I, get, I get a head that's ready to go in a little tiny body that is not matured enough to do what it needs, what it needs to do. And so we've got, to take, we've got to take our thoughts submitted to Jesus and the words that we have the capacity to speak and to deliver them in such a way that is life-giving to other people. Now, here's, here's how this works. Speak the truth in love. The result is that we would grow up in every way. And so this is Universal. And we grow up in every way into Christ who is our head. And so we have these two vital unions, Christ and community. L- listen to this. And this is where we have to get from the facts. Because we can say true things about each other. You talk too much is a fact. Okay? But that is not the truth. Listen, who's the truth? Jesus is the truth. First John 1, 14. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and what? truth. Jesus said, of himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. John in his epistle, 1 John 5.20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus, he is the true God and eternal life. You know how I actually came to discover that I talk too much And learn to speak less and to ask more questions over a prolonged period of time. It wasn't because someone said something nasty in a nice way. Did nothing for me. you You know what brought me to the place of understanding this and then changing my life to be different? Here's why. I came to the reality that I did not feel accepted by God. And I did not feel accepted by other people. And the level of my acceptance was directly connected to how entertaining I felt I was to other people. And the only tool I had to get other people's approval was to talk and say funny things and make people around me happy. And I dominated conversation because I was in search of acceptance and wholeness that I would never find anywhere. And I did not understand how to take an interest in other people and value them and grow in a relationship through mutual conversation because I was using people to get something for me that can only come from Jesus. And when someone was willing to speak the truth to say you are accepted by God through faith in his son Jesus and he loves you just the way he made you and he's given you a mouth, just one but two ears and so why don't you listen twice as much as you talk because you don't need acceptance and approval from people laughing at your dumb jokes but you do need to be a person who can listen to what other people are going through and encourage them and console them and that will never happen until you learn to ask questions you understand how this works so that's the difference between communicating the facts in a nice way versus speaking the truth and, love. and when this happens, not only do we begin to connect in a more vital way to Jesus, our Savior, our head, but we also end up with more life-giving interactions with one another. Listen, when Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit fell, God started something. And when he decided to start the church, he didn't start with a church that looked like this one. Do you know that? He took the two most diametrically opposed opposite groups of people and made them one immediately. The Jews and the Gentiles. These are people who did not understand each other, their languages, their cultures, their backgrounds, their proclivities. They were not like each other in any way, shape, or form. And now guess what? In Jesus, they are now one with each other. This is what Ephesians two eighteen to 22 talks about. And this is the community. This is where God started when he started building this community. For through him, we both, Jews and Gentiles, have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And look at this. In whom... The whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so here, the image of a body is replaced with the image of a dwelling place, a temple. Now listen, do you, have you ever been in a church service and during the music or something, some period of time, you begin to experience the presence of God in a, in a pronounced way? Have you ever experienced that? And have you ever recognized that sometimes that experience of God's presence has a lot to do with who is there and what spirit they've brought in with them into that meeting? You see, when we gather, and we do so cyclically, we gather. I mean, you can connect with the Lord anytime you want. You can open the word. You can pray. He's with you always. He's everywhere, equally present. But he's uniquely present in the people of God because he dwells among us. He's on the inside of us. And when we gather, he's pronounced. His presence is there in a real way. I have people... Mostly um, former Catholics, recovering Catholics, who come in sometimes during the week and they'll show up on a Tuesday and they'll just be like, I need to come in and pray. We're not a Catholic church and so there's not a priest in a box, but you can come in here and you can pray. And so people come in and pray and, and they'll say, I needed to pray here because I needed to, to feel God. And sometimes I just want to be like, He's not here right now. <laughs> uh, I know, I know you I know you felt him on Sunday when you were here, but that's because he's building his temple on the inside of us. You know that right and so you're a stone but you're a living stone and so god's in you and when you bring your stone to the house of god and everyone's here a temple of god is created and the presence of god is 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 present and that is a connection one with each other and the manifestation of god is present and so there's this life-giving community that has to happen but when we refuse to interact with each other or when we relegate our inner interactions to social media or text messages Then we start to break down the life-giving connections, and we start to make the body of Christ anemic and small and susceptible to being tossed around and led astray. And this, brothers and sisters, can't happen. How many of you guys have ever, like, fallen asleep on your own arm? You ever done that? You ever, like, woken up to find that your whole arm is, like, completely numb? You ever done that? And you don't really discover it until you go to, like, wipe your eye and you, like, punch yourself in the face? (laughs) You're like, whose arm is this anyway? What is going on here? And it takes a minute, and the blood starts to flow again, and then, whew, tingling happens, and then the whole thing comes back. Aren't you glad it comes back? Uh, Same thing. You cut off the source of life to your limbs, and you are now disconnected from a part of you that you need to function. And so, too often, we're not allowing the life-giving spirit of Jesus to connect with us personally, and then if we shut off our words and our relationships, then then that's not flowing into the body the way that it's supposed to to result in in maturity. And so I'm just taking a little bit of time this morning because I want to ask you to consider what it would look like for you to maybe step into that, not in the way maybe you thought about it before, not saying nasty things in a nice way, I'm not saying that, but connecting with people by speaking the truth, who is namely Jesus, the reality in which we all live, and doing so in love, in an atmosphere of acceptance. And it's hard to find those two things. And sometimes we walk into an environment, and we're not sure that it's a truth environment where Jesus is form- foremost. And we're not sure it's a love environment where everybody's accepted. You know, we're kind of like doing a little dance around the outside of the room to kind of figure out where, where we fit in. But this is what we're trying to create. So I want to give you these three words briefly before we, we cl- close. This is what we're trying to create at Christ Church because of the truth of what this is and because of what God's called us to be and to do um, when each part is working properly. We gotta start with reality. Somebody say reality. When we talk about the truth, we have to talk about reality. Do do you remember when you turn your life over to Christ. If you haven't done that yet, this is what many of us experience, where we were convinced because of the outcomes of our own search for life and purpose and value, we only created more and more destructive behavior, and so we eventually come to, to God and we say, all right, you're, it's all you, you do whatever, I can't do this on my own, I'm trusting you completely, and when that faith reached the power of God, a miracle took place, and you became awake and alive to who God is, and you experienced the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You remember that? And do you remember this feeling when you look back into your life and everything before that moment felt more like a dream than reality? Like you woke up to truth and to reality. Now, this is. This is what walking in the truth and speaking the truth is. We are talking around what is more true than just the newsreel and politics and people's preferences and the things that stress us out and money and time and calendars and commitments and sports and family and health problems. Those are all facts, but we exist in the truth, and his name is Jesus. And so we've got to be people who live in a reality that is different than just the facts that we're dealing with. Because this is where we will begin to connect with one another with encouragement and consolation and comfort and faith. Why? Because we are connecting people to the truth. We are speaking the truth. Yes, I know your body is sick, but we know the healer. Let's pray. Yes, I know your situation is dire, but we have a savior. Let's go to him. Yes, I know you are grieving, but we have been filled with the comforter. Again and again and again, we are helping one another through our words to connect with the Truth, and that brings with it reality. Secondly, vulnerability. Somebody say vulnerability. It's about to get uncomfortable, but we're almost done. Listen, part of speaking the truth requires vulnerability. This is where you are ready to be fully known. Now, we have to have vulnerability before God. Do you know that? You, you can never be truly surrendered to God, truly loved by God, until you are willing to be honest with yourself before him of who you really are. Do you know this? You cannot convince God to love your profile picture. You cannot put a persona like we do to other people. You know our, the first date mentality? You know you go on that first date and you're like, I am, I'm dressed like I don't dress. I'm going to talk like I don't talk. I'm going to ask questions like I never do. And I'm going to put my best foot forward. That's not your foot. You know? <laughs> And how long does that hold up? You cannot do that with God. God is looking for raw you, broken you, willing you, humble you, real you. But that's the you that he loves. And so we come to God with vulnerability. Now listen, if you're going to start to have life-giving relationships and speak the truth in love with other people, it's going to require you to be vulnerable with them. It's going to require you to be confident in your own story. And the same is true for the lost and dying world. Do you realize this? Listen, People who do not have the knowledge of God, who are opposed to the purposes of God, they do not need your Christian persona and your preferences and your perspective. They need your testimony. And your testimony is, I was lost and broken, but God. Do you know it? This is where the life comes from. And the same is true for God's life-giving spirit in the church. It's when we begin by saying, "Uh, here's my broken. Here's my broken. You know who gets this really good? It's not the church. It's AA. It's AA. AA gets this really good. Why? Because everybody in that meeting, they all have the same problem. Listen, their brokenness is different. Their patch was the same. And they've all come to the place where they say, this isn't working. It's making everything worse. So here's me, all messed up and broken. Help me to keep myself from going down that path again. Oh, we'll help because we're trying to not go down that path as well. They get vulnerability. Why? And they're not afraid because everybody in that circle has the same problem as them. But guess what? We're not in a circle. But all y'all brought the same problem to church today. Without a life-giving connection to Jesus, we are all broken. There is no wholeness to be found anywhere apart from him. And so vulnerability in speaking the truth in love means that I am walking in the truth, and part of that truth is the ugly truth about me. Now this matters because this informs environment that is not only one where we can speak the truth but an environment that is as Paul put it in love in love see when we dress up nasty words to sound nice we're not speaking in love but when we create an environment of value and acceptance patience and forbearance commitment reality and mutual vulnerability we have now created an atmosphere of love. And it is in that atmosphere of love that we are free to then speak the truth. Do you realize this? See, this is a lot harder done than said. And this is something that, that only only God can do. We can't dig deep down inside to find a source of this on, on our own. In Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah spoke on behalf of God to his people. His people had a revelation of him. They had a covenant from him. They had instructions from him. They had his temple, and they had his promised land, but they did not have whole hearts. The reality was is that their hearts were as broken as every other human on the planet, and the people of God were incapable of fulfilling the purpose of God, which was to show what a world in connection with God would look like because their hearts were broken. And Jeremiah said, and this is not on the text, but Jeremiah said, and I'll probably mess this up a little bit, but he, he spoke and prophesied. He said, my people have committed two great evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, a life-giving vital union with God through his covenant. And they have hewn out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now listen, if you don't have a spiritual transplant through faith in Jesus, if God hasn't removed your unwhole, broken, stony, divided heart and replaced it with a heart that is cleansed and made whole by the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus, then then you are living the cistern life where you are looking for ways to find life for yourself And there are few and far between, and when you find them, you gather them and you hoard them, and you put them in a little place, in a little hole, and that's where you continue to go back to over and over and over again. And the lower that hole gets, the nastier it gets, and the worse off your life starts to look like, and you know the dark places that you go to find that life. You know when you're hungry, and when you're tired, and when you're stressed, and when you don't have it on the inside of you, and you run out to that thing, whether it's A bottle of booze or a bottle of pills or a a relationship or some online browsing, you know where you're going back to. And those cisterns are broken and they drain and they'll never last and they'll only bring you fully and completely destruction. But there is... A fountain of living water. And Jesus said that everyone who comes to me will find that living water on the inside of them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is what is required to create an atmosphere of love where we can walk in the reality of who Jesus said he was and says we are. And in our brokenness, we are moving toward him for wholeness. That requires vulnerability. And ultimately, that will create an atmosphere, lastly, of authenticity authenticity listen all all of the newspaper articles all of the Christian articles about the church they are saying the church in America is closing Uh, closing the doors people are going to church less this next generation doesn't care at all 70 years and the whole thing's over Christianity will no longer be the the majority religion in the United States why why part of the reason is there is no authenticity out there and people are done with fake people are done with with showy people are done with pomp and circumstance Listen, the world is looking for reality. The world is in search of truth. Now, unfortunately, there's just enough winds of doctrine, cunning human schemes, and deceitful works of the enemy to keep people all wrapped up. But when a group of people who have been transformed by faith in Jesus and have a life-giving relationship with him, who have experienced his love and his cleansing and the power of his Holy Spirit, Begin to create an atmosphere of love and acceptance with one another and speak not the nasty facts, that's not hard, but the truth the greater reality that we need to be have our eyes lifted up to to say, no, there is a God in heaven who has your back and he is for you and he is working in you and I see the progress and you can trust him and I am right here alongside of you. That is speaking the truth in love. And when that happens, we all grow up into Christ. We all, equipped and when working properly with each other, grow into mature manhood and we create an environment of authenticity that I believe is divinely attractive and it's what the world is looking for. Do you understand that? And so this is what's incumbent upon the christian church and so this passage verse 15 and 16 begins speaking the truth in love and it ends makes the body grow up so it builds itself up in love and this is what we are looking for the truth as it brings reality vulnerability and authenticity and this is a miracle of heaven and it requires the power and presence of god by his holy spirit it's not something you can muster It is not something I can give you 10 points to make this happen. It is the activity of God that happens through people who are yielded to him. And so my invitation to every single one of us, as I began, was to open your heart, to cultivate the soil of your heart to receive this word. And now I'm asking you to let God pour his spirit into you. If you are here and you do not have faith in Jesus, you do not have a life-giving relationship with God, and you are still navigating your own brokenness, God wants to save your life and save your soul and change everything about you wants to do that right now. As soon as you say, I got nothing, he goes, I know, I've been watching. <laughs> and you say, I'm all in. He says, I want all of you, and I'll take all of it, the whole thing. All the assets, all the liabilities, I want you, and I want you entirely. And then if we, as the body of Christ, are willing to say to him, we want to walk in reality. We want to engage with the truth. We want to use our words to build one another up and create an atmosphere of love. I guarantee you, you will find the power from the spirit of God to do that right here. Maybe you've never experienced it before, but it doesn't mean it can't happen. And so I'm going to commit this word into our hearts and to prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to do now what only he can do. Amen. Father God, I thank you. Lord, you you are the designer of the human body and you are the designer of the church of Jesus. Lord, this is so simple and yet so difficult and for many of us never before seen footage. God, I pray that you would get this word in our hearts. Lord, that we would begin to pursue this life-giving relationship with you. God, that we wouldn't look for acceptance or life anywhere else but in you. No cisterns, God. No broken cisterns. And as we experience this life, as we share it and create this atmosphere of love, God, I pray that you would bring about an atmosphere of reality and vulnerability and authenticity. And I pray that we would be a mature group of people who can bring good news of great joy to all people. God, build your church. Come quickly, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen.